Amen. Well, we'll try something a little different. Uh, thank you for your prayers for my healing. It's been, I crossed the three-month mark, and it, my hip is getting stronger, and I'm grateful for that. And that was the first time I was able to serve the Lord's Supper. Appreciate Raj uh, overseeing that, doing a great job with that. For the number of months, I just didn't feel steady enough, and I didn't want to be falling off the platform here, holding a tray of grape uh, <laughs> juice, you know. <laughs> you want to have memorable services, but for the right reasons. I often say that when we have weddings with the brides and all that, that, <clears throat> you know, the, uh, the groom is to, uh, to help the bride up front with her long train and garment. You don't want her ever tripping. You know, people forever in a day, remember when the bride went. You know, that was a memorable wedding. Never had that happen yet, thank the Lord. But you want to remember things for the right thing. Well, I've entitled the message today, uh, Assurance of Salvation, and Second Peter is what we're going to look. You know, one of the great uh, hymns of all time, I find myself singing it uh, a lot, and I, I get most of the words right, add a few to it, is, uh, is the hymn, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Isn't that a great hymn? How many of you know that hymn? Yeah, I thought so. What a great, great, wonderful, blessed assurance. That's our key word today, assurance. We're going to talk about that uh, because that tends to be a problem in some. The song has certainly been blessed by God's uh, children for many years. Uh, how great, I'll say to you, how great it is to have the confidence that God knows you, but more than that, that you know him, that you're saved and that you have the assurance of heaven because of Christ the Lord. In a day where people aren't too certain of anything. In fact, did you know that's a sign of a real educated person, that they don't know anything for sure? You know, you go, <laughs> well, what do you know for sure? Well, everything's relative. Everything's changing. Everything. Do you know anything for sure? Not sure that I know anything for sure. That's the nutty day we live in. That is absolutely bizarre, isn't it? What a great thing to know with surety and the assurance that you're saved. And if you step off the curb today and get hit by a bus, you're going right to heaven. I'm telling you, that's a great thing. There are a lot of good things in life, even in a fallen world. I got news for you, that's a great one. Isn't that not a great one? I'm so thankful for that. And some of you I just know because as a pastor and working with folks through these many years now, really struggle with the assurance of your salvation. Many folks do. And uh, you need not ever do that, you know. And so I want to take a whole message here as, uh, and kind of couple it together. Uh, you see on your sheet... Uh, yet many seem to struggle with the assurance of salvation. As important it is to live to give, and I hope that you're working on that, in learning to live to give. Giving, not taking, not being on the take, not the getting, but giving. It was Jesus who said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Good to remember that, particularly as we're in now in December with Christmas coming. Uh, living to give, but more than that, second we saw, persisting in prayer, that we don't quit, we don't quit, you know, we're in a day, well, you know, let it, I, I'm okay on the, on the sprint, you know, the 50-yard dash, but oh, I could never run a mile, oh, let alone think of a marathon, some of our prayer requests are like a marathon, keep praying, don't give up, remember the persistent widow, and the unjust judge from Luke, we saw that last time, she didn't quit. And what a lesson in contrast, how much different our Father is in heaven. He hears us, He always hears us, He longs to hear us, and He's delighted and glorified in answering prayer. No, don't quit. Persist in it. Get a prayer book, write them down, put the dates. We talk about that, we saw that last time. Well, as important as it is to live to give and to persist in prayer, it's equally important to know that your sins are forgiven, all of them, 
There are some crazy notions on that. Well, I was saved and all my sins from uh, beginning until that point are forgiven and then after I'm sort of on my own. That's crazy. That's not biblical. You're declared righteous in Jesus Christ. The debt was paid completely, totally, finally, forever. Forgiven. Father, forgive them. Remember that? One of the words from the cross. It's so important for you to have that assurance and that your security of salvation is assured and forever. Now, I will tell you there's a difference between eternal security and assurance. They're touching the same thing, but they're different. Eternal security means once that God has opened your heart and He did it, you didn't, you weren't smart enough or bright enough or look good enough or lucky enough or whatever, God did it. He drew you near. He gave you the faith. The Spirit of God produced new birth in you, and you, it was like scales fell off your eyes, whether you were this high or that high, when you heard the Word of God, and God called you to Himself, and you said, I believe. And you were saved at that moment. God did that. He did that in your life. And once He does that, what God does, He does forever. He's not, we used to say as a kid, Indian giver. I used to say that with my brother. We trade, you know, and then he come back, he want his Mickey Mantle card back. You can't. You're an Indian giver. I want Roger Maris. You can't have him. Yes, you can. No, I'll beat you up. He was bigger than me. Those words meant something. Indian giver, Indian giver. I don't know if that's PC anymore, but it, we used to say that, right? God is not like that. What he does, he does forever. You are secure forever. If, if it depends on you and I, say, well, God saved me, now i got to hold on. i got news for you, you're in deep trouble. Yet you're thinking wrongly about it. God holds you in the palm of his hand. And I feel badly for churches today where, where they preach a sort of gospel but people had this idea that somehow I've got to have the second work of grace or I've got to, I can't sin or I lose it. No way. Never happened, ever. You're secure forever. It's a wonderful thing. Now that's different than the assurance. The assurance is in you're in my puny hearts and mine. You know, to, to believe and act upon what God has said. You know, we're so nimble and we sin. I'm not sure he really means it. I'm not sure really is. Oh, and we'll talk about that. So notice the difference there. And notice one other thing. The perseverance of the saints means that those that God has saved will persevere to the end. Isn't that great? Oh, that's good hope. Man, oh man. That's the gospel. Well, four statements helping you and I to discover the certainty of this thing called salvation. God wants you. He's delighted that you and I know that we have certitude in this thing. The reality is, is that you will never grow much. You won't. You'll be stuck on first base if you don't have the assurity, the assurance that God has worked in your life, and it's a finished deal. And so four statements helping you and I, to discover the certainty of the salvation. The first one, and MacArthur writes about this, and does a nice, really a wonderful job. I, I listen uh, some of them. Look at this, just a quick list on some reasons why believers struggle with this. Life is a struggle, but on this area that they shouldn't, and maybe you do, you may be one of these here. Look at A. Uh, some sit under harsh, demanding preaching of the law which upholds a high standard of righteousness, and they feel condemned. You know, the law never saved. When you'll see people, you'll ask them <clears throat> sometimes, uh, do you know for sure you're going to heaven? Well, I'm trying to keep the Ten Commandments. They don't know their Bible. The, <laughs> the law you cannot keep. The law always condemns, like the stop sign, Right? I told you about that one time. They, there was no stop sign on the corner, and then they put a stop sign up. I used to always scoot, scoot around that, come to it. And, you know, and uh, one day I went and was doing what I normally do, and, huh, there, and I started, and then I, there's a stop sign. Oh, and I said without thinking, oh, I wish I never saw that. I wish I never saw that. 
Because as soon as I saw it, I was condemned, and I was looking in the mirror for a cop. You know, I thought, I'm in trouble now, but I was never in trouble before. That's the law. It always condemns. It always shows us that we fall short. It never gives life. And we feel that. In some, in some churches, not as much as it once was, we're heavy on the preaching of the law. Now, the gospel always includes the law. It begins with the law. People don't know why they need to be saved. Why do I need to be saved? I'm a pretty good guy. They need to hear the law. This is God's standard. And once they see God's standard, they go like, whoa, I fall short. That's right. It never saves. It always condemns. So if you're in an environment, or maybe you grew up in that environment, that uh, you heard law, 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 and it condemned, 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 and you, you felt, with, I'm, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy. And it's true, you're not worthy, nor am I. But it may rub out the, the, of, the assurance uh, of salvation that God wants you and I to have. Number, look at B, some struggle with past sins, thinking they're too sinful to be saved. Right? We sin. Sinners sin. That's what sinners do. That's perhaps why David in the Psalms said, uh, he writes years later, uh, uh, Lord, please for, uh, forget the sins of my youth. Uh, David couldn't forget him. He, he remembered back a yesteryear, and, and it kind of it, it gnawed at him. Uh, he asked God to forget because he couldn't. And sometimes people will say, well, I, I sin too much. You know, God saved me, but, 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 but. How big is your butt? Forget that. I taught homiletics one year, and I think I told you one of my students, that was the title of his sermon. How big is your butt? I said, I don't think I would title any sermon. I know what you mean, Ephesians chapter 2, but God, you know, but I don't. I keep saying but, but uh, I wouldn't do that. Look at C quickly. <laughs> Some embrace a deficient gospel. They have wrong ideas about our part. That's the Arminian view. You know, I mentioned it earlier. God saves, but we keep it. God saves, but we keep it. Kind of the fear thing. Oh, oh I may have sinned today. Oh, my, what a terrible thing. How about D? Some can't remember the date and time. It's nice when you write that in your Bible, the day that God brought you to himself, but some of you can't. Most of you don't remember the date and time. Some of you do. That that's doesn't determine whether you're saved. It doesn't. You better have a date and a time. Now, I'm not talking about a Friday night date. A date and a time when you were born again. You were there at the first birth. You don't remember it. Thank the Lord we don't remember that. Ever think about that? <laughs> Boy, that was a wet experience. I'm glad I don't have to know. And... and but you better have that. Whether you can remember it or not doesn't matter. And you know what? You can remember it, fall and hit your head, not know anything the rest of your days, comatose or whatever, and doesn't negate that you're saved. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. God, God doesn't forget. Aren't you glad of that? How about F? Some sense a strong pull of the sin nature. That's the flesh within. Think they must not be saved. Listen, read Romans 7. That what I do, I don't want to do, Paul said. Here's Paul, the apostle. Look, the flesh is within us. You say, well, I, I feel like drawn to, to, to old sin and old habits. Join the club. Don't think, well, I must not be in because I'm, I have a sin nature. I got news for you. You're, you've got a lot of company there as a Christian. So don't let that negate that. Please don't do that. Grow in grace. Grow in holiness. But you still have that old flesh there. I can't wait for heaven when we won't sin. I won't recognize any of you. You're going to look so much better and be better. And you'll say, Pastor, I never knew you looked so good. That's right. That's it. Read Romans 7 again. How about F? Some experience deep trials when they think God's left them, right? They don't see the hand. Listen, God orders the trials and the troubles in our life. Remember Ecclesiastes, when times are good, have a party. Rejoice, be happy. But when times are bad, trials, trouble, temptation, remember this, God has made the one as well as the other. God is working in our lives. I tell my boys all the time, I, I, I like the good times, but I grow through the hard times. God refines. It's just refining. He puts me in the heat, and it refines me. 
as to what's important in life and what's not important. And there's not a lot that's important. We get so distracted with a bunch of nonsense, stuff, things, meaningless, really. Get the big picture and live in that. How about G? Some don't know and obey the Word of God. And thus fail to walk in the Spirit. Listen, it's, it is the Spirit of God that gives assurance. I'm going to say something here because there's been something propagated in the evangelical church that's not right. Sometimes when someone will pray to trust Christ, and it's a joy to be like a midwife and to pray with folks, but at the end of that, don't say to, to that person who has just trusted Christ, now listen, Satan's going to put doubts in you. But write it down. You're saved today and don't believe it. Don't ever do that. Don't ever. You don't know that they were genuinely saved at that point. We hope they were. I prayed with people over and over again who weren't sure that they were really saved, and some obviously were not saved again. You don't know that. And so don't create this false sense of assurance. Well, the worker said to me that I would have, but I'm saved. Or your mother. You know, some people say, well, how do you know you're saved? Well, I was three, I was five, on my mother's lap, and we prayed, and my mother, I don't really remember too much. In fact, I don't remember. But she's told me all these years, don't you remember, Johnny, when I prayed with you and you trust? You're putting your trust in your mother or your father or someone else. It is the Holy Spirit of God who will work in your heart and flood your soul with the assurance that I am his and he is mine. Not mommy or daddy or a worker or a pastor or any of that. God may work through all that, and he does, and we're grateful. But it's the Holy Spirit that gives you the assurance and the surety of your salvation. And H, last, some lack assurance because they willfully sin. Purity and assurance go hand in hand. Be careful about that. When you and I willfully wander into sin, over and over and over. Be careful about that. We walk into the darkness, and we could have deceived ourselves. Purity, when you strive in holiness and godliness by His power and grace alone, and assurance, they go hand in hand. They do. It's marvelous. Struggles. Well, there are many struggles in life. Don't struggle with assurance. This should be bedrock so that you'll grow mighty in the forest of God. A second statement, the blessings. Let's just note some of the blessings. They're like great Christmas gifts. The blessings we receive from salvation of assurance, they are abundant. And this is just a few of them. You've got to nail this down so that you can enter into this if you've not. A, assurance causes the heart to live at the highest level of joy. Look at what John wrote, the beloved, in, in 1 John 1.4. We write this, the letter of 1 John to you, so that you make our joy complete. Joy, kera, joy, joy, joy. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the faith. Joy. It's so much different than happiness. It's, it's a fruit of the Spirit. It's produced in you. Joy and the assurance that you are saved it frees you up from the burden. Am I? Am I not? I'm not sure, you know. Joy. I belong to him and he is mine. I say the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Wow, joy. How about B? Such assurance causes us to seek God's purpose above everything else. The assurance of, of, of that I am his and he is mine. I want, to new, I want to do his will, his purpose, his plan for my life. That's the way Jesus taught us to pray in the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord's Prayer. I often say it in my own worship time. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You know what that means? I'm praying that all people everywhere will hold God's name in absolute distinction and holiness. And they don't now, do they? Very few. They, they, they abuse his name. And I'm praying, you know, someday it'll be like that. 
Everyone will know the Lord who's living on earth. Won't that be un- You won't have to witness at all. They'll say, oh, I, 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 I worship him. Hallowed be your name. Your will be done on heaven as it is and is always on earth as it has been and will always be in the heavens. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then he prays for his own needs. How about C? Assurance fills your heart with praise and gratitude. We sing and we have a song in our heart. You know, if you have a burden in your heart, you can't sing. Hard to sing. It's hard. But when you enter in the joy of I am his and he is mine and the assurity of that, there's a song and you're singing with a renewed faith. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a say. Whoa, what a wonderful song. How about D? Assurance strengthens the soul against temptation and trials. In Ephesians uh, 6, 16 and 17, Paul writes, remember that? Put on the whole armor of God. And he writes of that in verse 17, take uh, the helmet of salvation. He's using figurative language here. What's he mean by that? Take the Take the helmet of salvation. That's over the mind. In other words, he's saying, take the knowledge that you are saved. That means assurance, right? In this battle against uh, Satan and evil and sin in this world and the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit, which is God's Word. It helps us to be victorious in the things of God. You know, Charles Stanley had often said, before his feet hit the floor, he always prays to put on the full armor of God. And a part of that is the helmet of salvation, as Paul has alluded to, of the knowledge and the surety of being saved. Oh, it's so important. E, assurance calms the soul with perfect peace and rest in the midst of life storms. Oh, it does, doesn't it? I don't know what storms you're in, what you've come out of, or what's going to hit later today or tomorrow or this week. All I know is we live in a stormy world. They're talking about snow tonight and tomorrow. How about that? That's quite a storm, right? My mother got two inches of, two inches, two feet. Did you guys get two feet of snow? Three inches. I saw a picture of, but was that south of Buffalo? Three feet south there. That, now, that's a storm, right? I'd like to see Harrisburg get hit with three feet. That'd be something, right? I'll see you in September, we'd sing, right? And <laughs> Probably not, not before. But storms are part of life, aren't they? They are. And the assurance that I am his and he is mine will carry you through. Bad doctor reports, bad things at work, a pink slip from your boss, academic pressures. He is mine and I am his, and I know that. Oh, man. I'm telling you, it is, it is it's more wonderful than learning to live to give, more wonderful, I think, than persisting in prayer is the assurance of knowing him. Wow. And I, I got to call you, look at Hebrews, this verse in Hebrews 6.19. This is a wonderful verse. <clears throat> uh, we have this hope. Hope in the, in the Greek is, is, a, is a strong word. It's confidence. Let me insert that. We have this confidence as an anchor for the soul. Firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. It's an anchor, the certainty of our hope in Christ and that we're in Christ. It's an anchor when the storms and the winds blow. Wow. How about F? Assurance enables believers to wait patiently upon God's perfect timing. For needed mercy. Oh, we hate to wait, don't we? We drive through McDonald's, uh, Wendy's, and we have to wait uh, three extra minutes because they're making it fresh. We have a panic attack, you know, a Big Mac attack or something, right? Yeah, right. Man, we don't, we don't do good at it. Psalm 130, just write that down. That's a great psalm that teaches us. In fact, I put part of it here. Uh, Jen, do we have that or Dave? Jen, do we have that up here? I wait for the Lord, the psalmist. My soul waits, and in his word I put my hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than a watchman. Wait for the morning more than a watchman. Wait for the morning. It's the assurance of waiting for his timing. And we often don't do well, particularly as Americans, we don't, do we? We, 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 are, we worship the watch. You know, a lot of people think we... This is what we worship, right? Our, our wristbands, our, our watches, 
you know, like, oh, we get nervous if it goes a little bit over. Everything's got to be 30 minutes or an hour, and how long does that last? And, oh, we're so scared. Waiting on the Lord and His timing. Wait a minute, I'm His, He's mine. His timing is perfect. God has never been late. He never showed up late. So praise God for that. Well, the last H is assurance purifies the heart. And John writes of this in John, 1 John 3. He that has this hope in him purifies himself. This confidence purifies himself even as he is. Uh, and so praise God for that. Well, the great blessing, it's a gift. It's such a great gift, this assurance. It is, and we ought to put our arms around it and hold it and thank God for it, the assurance that he gives. So what can we say? Turn, turn to Second Peter now uh, in our time to close. We just want to glance at what God has Peter to write for us as he directs us to have this assurance by making our calling, that's our call to salvation, that God has called us to make it sure. And in Second uh, Peter chapter 1, uh, verse 3 to 11, uh, we discover uh, uh, God's word for us in this. Uh, let's read that. Pick it up verse 3 of Second Peter, verse, chapter 1. His divine power, that's uh, the Lord's, has given us everything we need for life and for godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through whom these, through these, he has, uh, he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Now here's our focus now, verse 5 and following. For this very reason, make every effort to add your, your faith, that's saving faith, add goodness, and to goodness add knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and perseverance godliness, godliness brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten he has been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, he concludes, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. There's the assurance. For if you do these things, you'll never fall, and you'll receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow, what a passage. Well, look at, uh, look at how Peter directs us to have this assurance. Look at A. He begins by reminding us that through God's power, we've been given everything we need. This is the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, that works in you and works in me as Christians. Well, what has He given us? Everything. Well, number one, He's given us life. That means our salvation. He's given you everything that pertains to life. Zoe. So many times you'll hear that, that word, zoe, 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 or a form of that. And that's the word for life. He's given you eternal life in Jesus Christ. That's the beginning. And then second, everything we need for life and for godliness. This is Eusebian, Eusebius, the uh, church historian of, uh, and, and preacher years and years ago. It means uh, uh, he has given us everything we need for God-likeness. That's what he's doing. God is uh, making you, if you're a Christian, uh, into the likeness of Jesus. God-likeness. Godliness is a good way to think of that. Uh, the 50-cent the word is our sanctification, but that's what it means. And so Peter and B gives us a key here, doesn't he? He says that you and I as Christians must be diligent. There's that word, right? Sounds like it's bound up with discipline, right? We must be diligent to give ourselves to adding to our new birth experience. In other words, the new birth gets us into the family, but don't hang around at the door. Move on. When I went to Colonel Payne Elementary School, Went to kindergarten. They told me I had to come back the next day. <laughs> and I kept coming back for a lot of years. 
they kept promoting me. I went to first grade and second grade and third grade and, and, and I learned the long uh, division and then fourth grade and fifth and sixth and finally got the boot out and they moved me to junior high. Oh, that was another world. Oh, junior high. You ever read the book? I grew up and, really, and discovered that life was junior high. Look, look it up on Google. You'll, that, it's sort of like that way, right? Junior high, and you don't know if you're going to live through those days. And, and then high school. And, well, that's the same true as true of the Christian. Grow up. Grow up. Give yourself to it. It means you've got to study. You've got to be diligent. But if you do that, the assurance and the assurity that I am his and he is mine will overwhelm your life. And more than that, God will use you greatly, and we'll see the benefits under point four. Well, that's what God is up to here. With diligence. It's the same thing that Paul said in Philippians. I have it on your sheet, chapter 2, verse 12 and 13. He said, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will, God makes you willing to do this, and to be able to do it, do his good work. It's, it's God's work within you for his purpose. And so we must, with great effort, by God's grace and see, build diligently build with effort and focus these character qualities into our life. And he lists them here, adding to our faith. The first one is faith, but he, that's where it begins. That's saving faith. God gives that. And so what are they? The first one is goodness. Eritate, goodness. It's a word that sometimes translated virtue. We don't use that word very much anymore. It implies uh, a practical daily goodness displayed in the normal course of living. You know, in English, the word uh, uh, of God and the word goodness are connected. Uh, way, 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 way back in another continent, uh, God is good. Don't we teach our kids? God is good. God is great. God, we thank you for this. There's a goodness there. It's a broad word in its meaning. It's a moral excellence. It's to be like Jesus. Goodness. In, in the give and the take and the ups and the downs and the disappointments of life, there ought to be the goodness of God in the give and take of a marriage uh, within a home, among children, and in the school and the workplace. A goodness. The people that may not know Christ say, well, I don't know what makes him tick, but he is a good man. And, or a good woman. And people understand those categories even in this nutty postmodern day in which we live. They understand. Goodness ought to flow from us. To be good is to be like God, and we ought to focus on that and ask God to help us with this, with the power alone that He gives so that we might be like Jesus. You know, that's what you are. You're, you are Jesus, the people you meet. You are little Christ. Jesus was good. Did you know that? He wasn't punching people in the eye. He wasn't, I'll give them a piece of my mind. He wasn't trying to get even. He didn't hold bitterness. Goodness, sir. Goodness. That's what God is producing in you. If you know him, there ought to be a goodness. Sometimes we can't see it. Others can see it. Boy, I see, boy, God is working in this, your life. I just said, it's a joy to be around you. There's a goodness that flows from you. It, uh, it's evident even in your words. No, you're not perfect. You're growing. But, boy, you're not what you were, and I've noticed that. Wow. Goodness. Add to that what? Number two, knowledge. Knowledge, he says. Well, what's that mean? means grasping God's truth found in His Word. It requires study so as to acquire the mind of Christ in all areas. Add, add to goodness, knowledge, so you know the mind of Christ as much as is revealed in the Scriptures. You know how you do that? You read your Bible. Seven days without Bible makes one week, W-E-A-K. Open your Bible every single day. Eat. You don't eat from your Bible, don't sit down at the table and eat. More important, 
It is. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Read your Bible every single day. It, you know what it also means? It means you show up for worship. There's a, we, I try and serve a feast here every week. Better than turkey dinner. Oh, didn't faith they make a good one? <laughs> this is more important. This is a feast. Yeah, it means get yourself to bed at a decent hour. So you're not hanging around till late at night. You can't get up. And when you're here, you're all foggy. Go to bed. I got worship tomorrow. That's the most important thing of the week. I worship God with, with God's people. I want to have my mind in gear so I'm not fogged out. I pray for pastor. I pray that he'll, he'll preach and speak to me through the Word of God. Add to your goodness knowledge. Take notes. Write in the margins. Study. Grow. Get to the end of your life. You know, you're going to want to know the Word. Don't want, Lord, I'm sorry. You know, I, don't, I was doing crossword puzzles, and boy, I learned all the stats and sports, and, and uh, oh, I did all these things. I made a lot of money at... You didn't, you didn't study the Word. You don't know me. I get tired of it. I'm getting too old. I mean, let's get off the stick and get in the game. The pastor all exercised here today. I am. This is like 101. I don't know what you're doing if you're not doing that. I'm too bu- you're too busy then. Then you ought to pair some things out. Add your goodness knowledge. It'll change your life. I know. Number three, add self-control. Well, what's that? It's, it's two Greek words. It's holding in. It's the word idea of holding in. Self-control. Proverbs 25, 28 said, uh, uh, a man without self-control is like a city whose walls are broken down. You know, in that ancient day, the walls protected the city. If you don't have self-control, you are vulnerable to anything and everything. I mean, Satan is just like, whoa, there's one. Self-control, self-discipline, holding oneself in. It's controlling of your passions instead of being controlled by them. It's an athlete who's self-disciplined, an athlete. Do you love that, 1 Corinthians 9.27? I think we have it up here. Let's, where Paul talks about the, the, the Olympians and the athletes of that day, uh, and he, he uses the word, Paul speaking, no, I beat my body and make it my slave. That's self-control. So that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. That's the athlete. One of the great things and experience in my life yesteryear was uh, having the joy of being a wrestler um, and trying to make weight. And for many, many years, the, to go from the football season now to lose 20 pounds when I didn't have 20 pounds much to lose, but I wanted to get down to 154 and then 165 and then 167 and, and depending what your high school or college and the discipline God taught me. Some of you were in the military and, and you learned discipline. And it, it transfers to every area of life. The discipline I learned in, in foregoing eating so that I could make weight and, and make myself do not what I craved but what I wanted and what was right. I transferred to every area of my life. And we're to live that way. Not to be, oh, you know, I'm passionate. Or, or, illicit passion. Look, I love passion. I love passion with my wife. Those are good things, right? But so many of our, our passions are wrong. They're like, oh, I just got sucked. No, get a grip. Get a grip. You name the name of Christ. Goodness, right? Add it, to, add it to your knowledge of the Word. Be a man or woman under control. Get yourself up early. Get yourself in bed. Do the things you need to do. Honor Him in the quietness of your life so that you're the same in private as you are in public. That's a great goal. Lord, help me in that. Teach it. Lord, help me to learn to hate duplicity. I hate that. I love chameleons, but I don't want to be one. Right? So you're the same. And God will bless you for it. Look at add to self-control. Uh, perseverance. It is the daily suffering, hard and difficult things, and remaining under it. This is not patience. The King James wrongfully translated this patience. Patience is not the idea. That's what I mean to say here. It, it's too far too passive. You know, I'm patiently waiting. Someone will say, 
Well, patience is a virtue. No, that's not the idea. I'm just sit here, be quiet. No, it means you remain under the pressure. You exert yourself to do that. And you keep at it as long as God has that in your life. Say, Lord, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to quit. Staying power. And I do that by looking ahead like Jesus. Who for the joy that was set before him. That's you and me, I think. He endured the cross and died. It has a forward-looking to it element. One day we're going to get out of here, but we're going to stay here if God has it, and we're going to remain under it until he delivers us. And that's the way we look at perseverance. How about godliness, the number five? It means a reverence for God. It means to honor and to adore him. We're to, we're to add that we're to... We're to learn to love the Lord with all our heart, our soul, and our strength. It's all about Him. It's having a practical awareness of God in every aspect of life. You look up and see the moon, and you're like, wow, God, your moon is beautiful today. I thought you shouldn't be far from you. Or the season changes. Or, the, or, or your children or grandchildren or friends. And you go like, God has done this. God is. God's hand is everywhere, and, and you see it, and you're amazed, and you give Him glory and praise, and this godliness, it, it's a wonderful thing, really, it is. This devotion and love that you and I, at the, can we say at the bare minimum that you and I as Christians ought to have a deep, devoted love for God? That ought not be a strange thing. That we love the Lord with all our hearts and our soul. And the next one goes right with it, this brotherly kindness. We love the Lord, and then horizontally, we love brothers and sisters, and we're to give ourselves to it. Look, we're all stinkers, right? Say, I can't love them. Yeah, you can. It's the love of God in you. That's the, one of the marks of being a believer, that we love one another. Even though we may wrong each other and hurt each other, it's a family. I grew up in a big family. I saw it all the time. Two or three out of the seven were always on the outs, right? They didn't get chucked out of the family. My father and mother dealt with them, but uh, it's a family, and that's what God's... And we ought to have that Philadelphia, that brotherly love for men and women and boys and girls that love the Lord Jesus. It's that affection. It's an emotional, relational, reciprocal type of of love. It's a distinguishing mark of a true disciple. If, if you don't love the brothers and sisters of Christ, John said, how dwells the love of God in you? It's, it's, it's a bare minimum. Give yourself to it. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Pride is such an insidious thing, and it pops up all over the place. Humble yourself. Seek forgiveness. Seek to live in accord with one another. You're the body of Christ. Not only at grace, but wherever you meet another believer. I don't care if he dots the I's and crosses the T exactly. Shame on you if you let that divide you. You're going to live in heaven together forever. Forget that. And love people. Love the church. Love the body of Christ. Oh, beautiful is the body of Christ. Make it more beautiful. Give yourself to it. And maybe you may need to make some correction. Say, well, I'm not speaking to that one over there or this kind of thing. Make that right today. Now, you're under the authority of, of the pastor here. You're to obey those that, that speak the Word of God. Make that right. Write a note, make a phone call, and uh, you'll be glad you did. And the last one is love, agape. Here's the crown. It's the selfless love of the will. It's the love of God. It's God's love. It's sacrificial. It will cost you. It'll cost you something in time and treasury and in your ability. But love, it's the crown. This is the way God loves. We began with faith, didn't we? Add to your faith. That's where it began. Saving faith. Add all these. And it ends with God's love. And we're to diligently with effort. It's not a twig on a stream going down that's well isn't this kickback no it's god in you who will work this thing and you give your focus and attention and say god i'm so tired of being in second grade in god's school kick me upward lord do whatever you have to 
I want to grow up. I want to be a sweet blessing. The days are passing. If not today, when? One day it'll be all over. Christ will return or I'll go meet him. They'll carry me out or he'll come. Let's give ourselves to this. That's what he's saying. Praise the Lord for this. Thank you, Peter. And look at number, uh, the fourth statement, and we'll close, helping us to discover the certainty of salvation. Peter tells us the results. These are motivational of having these qualities in our life in verses 8 through 11. If these be found in us and abounding, in other words, they're just overflowing. Look at some of the results. I haven't given all of them. But A, our lives will be effective and productive for the Lord Jesus. It means that God will use you. You'll be effective. Who wants to be ineffective? I don't. I could have used him, but not reject. He was ineffective. Right? I don't want to be that. I want to be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. A lot of Christians are part of the problem. Shame on us. I want to be effective. I want to be a tool that the Lord can use. How does that happen? Give yourself to these things. But more than that, not only effective, but I'll have there'll be fruit. Wow. When I get to heaven, the result of that, the reward of that in heaven and fruit. And the lives of people that I blessed and are there and those that Wow, that's what I get. Lord, help me get the big picture and live in light of it and not leave this place and forget everything I've heard. Well, that's wonderful motivation. What a result. Look at B. We'll make our calling and election sure. Verse 10. This is assurance. Wow, you mean I'll have the assurance? Yeah, the Spirit of God will give that to you. The assurance of your salvation. Wow. Man. And see, we'll have a rich welcome into heaven. I love verse 11. Let's just read it again. And you will receive a rich welcome into, a, into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior. That's heaven. You know, sometimes uh, we talk about that at uh, funerals of those great saints. Of, what a rich welcome they must have had. You know, when you close your eyes in death, if you live this way, this is what he's saying, that when you, absent from the body, are taken by the angels into glory instantly, it's like you'll be entering into a great football stadium, but greater, far greater. And when they come in, your name will be announced, and the honor will be given, and they'll stand, the great saints of God, from, from Adam all through the sun, and here he comes! And here she comes by the blood of Jesus. And you'll come into the arena. And what a thrilling thing. A rich, wealthy entrance into glory. That's for me. Now, for seven years I played football. And uh, one of the most fun things was to run out onto the field. At the beginning of the game, Usually the beginning was better than halftime because you, you, I'll tell you later about that. But we would break the, the cheerleaders would have that thing. We'd run through it, and we were going we to win, right? When the people would yell, especially at a great rivalry game, you know. Man, oh man, oh man. I remember the thrill of that. Well, when I think of that, that's nothing compared to what's coming. If you do that, that's what he's talking. This is the, the word of the Lord here. A rich entrance into heaven. Wow. But you know what that also implies? That there will be some believers who will not do these things, who will not have a rich entrance. I don't know if they open the, the custodial door and let them in. I don't think so. Or they just, don't mention his name, here they come. I don't know what it means. I don't want to be that. I want to be on the program, right? There he is. It's the grace of Jesus and the blood of Christ completely. That's for me. And if you live that way, you'll sleep better at night. You'll know I am his and he is mine. And that's how you have the assurance of salvation. Isn't that great?
Lessons for our life, number one. Number one, assurance of your salvation is given to you by the Holy Spirit. We love your mama. We love your Sunday school teacher and your pastor of yesteryear and whatever you wrote in your Bible. That is not the source of your assurance. It's not. It may help, but it's the Spirit of God right now working in your life, whether you're His or not. It's the work of the Holy Spirit who bears witness with our spirit, Romans 8, that we are the children of God. Number two. Number two, what can we say? Your new birth does not rule out your effort. It's all his from beginning to end anyway. He works in this both to will and to do it. So at the end, we throw all our crowns to him anyway. But give yourself to it. Sometimes maybe I think this, we love grace. It's the name of our church and we live in grace. But sometimes we may kick back and think, well, I guess that's it. I don't do anything. No, make all diligence. Effort, apply yourself. Maybe in school, teacher said, your math teacher said, well, I think he could do it if he would apply himself. I know none of you ever heard that. None of you. Apply yourself here. Apply yourself. Is there anything more important? There isn't. Number three. Look at three. Diligently, with effort, build these qualities into your life. Focus on it and ask the Lord to give you help from beginning to end. Lord, help me. I'm a dunce. I'm stupid. I'm lazy. I'm undisciplined. I'm a sinful man or woman. Lord, help me. Help me. And he will, I promise you. I know. I know it's true in my own life. Number four. Number four. If you do, you'll have the assurance of your salvation. And if you do this with diligence... You'll have a rich welcome into the, into the arena, to, the, to heaven, and all that that means. And I'm sure we don't even have an idea. <laughs> and if I go first and you come in later, I'll be standing cheering for you. Wow. How about that? Wow. That's what the Scriptures teach. And number five and last... <clears throat> If you don't do these things, you say, well, I really don't care about it. Uh, you know, I don't know why pastors all exercise today. It just may be possible. It just may be possible that you're still lost and you've never been truly saved from the penalty of your sin. And I would ask you today to really think about that and to ask the Lord to reveal that to you, whether you're lost and still needing to trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior from your sin. And in that moment, in the quietness of that moment, you can say, Lord Jesus, be merciful unto me, a sinner. I receive you as my Lord and as my Savior. Thank you for the love of God, grace of God. Thank you for dying in my place. And he will save you forever and ever and ever. That's what makes a Christian. That's for me. Praise God. Wow. It's so important for you to have assurance. Bless the Lord. Leave this place today, if you know Christ, saying, I'm His, and He is mine. I don't know much. I can't remember most of whatever I learned, but I do know this, that He is my Savior. Praise God. Let's stand and be dismissed with the word.